Time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Morning, Simi. Okay, so let's talk about, sounds like Premier David Eby got what he wanted with this announcement from the uh, federal government. Well, he says he did, and is taking maybe a bit too much credit for the change. But look, there's been growing awareness over a year that Canada, when it reformed bail in order to make it easier to get bail and harder to withhold bail. When the when Canada did that back in 2019, it had some major unintended consequences. And those consequences have been manifesting themselves by violent attacks, violent crimes, random attacks by people out on bail who probably shouldn't have gotten bail. So BC has been calling for this reform since last year, uh, late last year at a meeting of justice ministers. But all of Canada's premiers joined in a letter to the Prime Minister in January calling for the government to revisit these reforms to make it harder to get bail. And that letter originated actually in the office of Ontario Premier Doug Ford. And it the real driver there, Simi, was that awful killing of a rookie police officer, Ontario Provincial Police, over the Christmas holidays by an alleged offender who was out on bail on a firearms charge. Right. This is a very fine line. We are going to be speaking with David Lametti about the line here, though, right? But it's a tough one. It is a tough one because, I mean, the stream, what we're now talking about, Simi, is reforming reform. I mean, essentially, there is this in the Constitution that you have a right to bail. And then you have the notion of reverse onus, that in some extreme cases, the need to persuade a judge to grant bail, the onus shifts to the accused and his or her lawyer. So reverse onus means you have to persuade the court that you can safely be released. In most cases, it's the crown that has to persuade the judge that you shouldn't be released. So that's reverse onus. It's been around for a while. Uh, Domestic violence cases is one. Uh, Some kinds of violent crime is another, that you don't get bail. And what this change does, Simi, is it broadens the grounds for Uh, the reverse onus broadens the grounds where the accused through the lawyer has to persuade the court that they can be safely released. Chronic offenses, crimes of violence, uh, use of weapons uh, found with weapons uh, and weapons uh, broadly defined to include things like bear spray and knives. So that's the concept here. I'm glad you're going to be talking to Lametti because he initially on this was very skeptical. He spoke to a parliamentary committee back, I believe it was February, and he said the 2019 reforms were important. Uh, He defended them. He said they didn't fundamentally change the system of bail in Canada. He said, people, there still is access to bail, but there are still grounds for withholding it. He said Ottawa was responding to direction from the courts. And he reminded Parliament that the reason they did this reform back in 2019, Simi, was the idea that withholding bail led to a greater level of incarceration of marginalized people, of indigenous people. 
So it was a reform aimed at essentially reducing the level of incarceration of indigenous people who were accused of crimes because you know you're innocent till proven guilty you're getting bail it's not you haven't been found guilty you're getting bail pending a trial so there is uh, uh it's woven into the system and it's woven into i would say the justice system in canada you're already seeing pushback from the academic community uh, at these reforms, people saying, no, no, this is going to take us back to the bad old days, and uh, we shouldn't do this. So it's not clear that this is going to become the law, and even if it does become the law, Simi, it's not clear the courts will uphold it. Well, that's the other question I had, too, is that this will take a while, right, to work through and get passed. And I guess it gives a judge a tool. That doesn't mean the judge has to use that tool. Judiciary is independent, and the main directive that's governing the courts in the country does not come from provincial premiers or even federal justice ministers. It comes from the Supreme Court of Canada, which strongly, strongly reinforced the right to bail, uh, strongly uh, spoke against uh, the high level of incarceration that was happening with people who were accused of crimes but not convicted of them and were being locked up on bail, sometimes for quite some time. You know, they finally get through the court. The court they're convicted, and the court, uh, you know, gives them a sentence, and, hey, they've already served it because they've been locked up the whole time. So that it, it's a tough decision, but, Simi, I don't think there's any question where the public is on this. I think our provincial premiers, the police forces in the country have been responding. Uh, they, the public is not over there with the advocates of pro- progressive judicial reform. They want chronic violent offenders locked up. They don't want them. Uh, this catch and release system, it's caught on. Even some provincial premiers have used it. Uh, that, you know, you get arrested, you go in front of a judge, you've got a uh, an arrest warrant previously, uh, you violated your bail conditions, you have a history of violent attacks, and you still get released. So that's the dilemma. Simi, you also mentioned the other challenge here. Lametti promised to do this. He responded to the premiers and he said, okay, I'm going to bring in the changes and I'm bringing them in in the spring session of parliament. He's done that. Will they pass? Will the changes get through parliament? Um, Parliament, uh, there's still, after this week, four weeks left on the parliamentary schedule, uh, 20 sitting days. Lametti says he hopes the opposition parties will support this and pass the legislation unanimously. It also has to get through the Senate, so the Senate has about five weeks uh, left, and nobody controls the Canadian Senate, as, as we've seen in the past. So, you know, it, it has to get passed. Premier Eby said yesterday, we got to get this done urged Parliament to pass the legislation, urged them to get it done right now, because, as you know, Sammy, BC's attempt to fix this by tougher directives to Crown prosecutors didn't work, because the judges didn't listen to the Crown prosecutors. They listened to the Supreme Court of Canada. They listened to the principles enshrined in the criminal code by the current federal government, in 2019. Right. And so then you would think that even if this gets passed, it still has to trickle down to the level where a judge feels comfortable using this. Yeah. I mean, look, you pick the pick the case that actually goes. I mean, 
the, the judicial system is principles and the Constitution, and then you get circumstances, alter cases. So what is going to actually happen when a case goes in front of a judge of somebody who's been arrested in possession of bear spray or a gun or, or a knife or something, and they have a previous record, and maybe they're in violation of their uh, previous bail and parole conditions and they've committed another crime or maybe they haven't even gotten around to committing one because it's possible that if they just are found in possession of uh, all that goes into the mix and then wait a minute uh, this is an indigenous person i mean we know from the stats that the provincial government gave us that 20 percent of the cases where bc prosecutors argued for incarceration in front of a judge argued for withholding of bail. Uh, 20% of those cases were Indigenous people. Well, Indigenous people are only about 6% of the population. This is where the statistic comes from, that Indigenous people are overrepresented in the Canadian justice system, in, in jail, in, in incarceration. And the B.C. government, in urging this, Simi, the uh, Premier and the Attorney General said, no, no, we, we don't want to change that. We don't want that to happen. But the, the problem in the administration of justice is, well, what do, you, what do the courts do when that kind of a case ends up in front of them? I mean, there's all kinds of cases out there, and the circumstances are different in all of them. Right. And so the idea of this to me seems good. It's just yeah. the ability to give a judge a tool to say, eh, yeah. your circumstances mean you shouldn't be out on the street if there's a, some egregious case that comes yeah. before them. That's right. And look, uh, public opinion, uh, I would say, is is very sympathetic to the idea of lock yes. I mean, that's public opinion. But our system isn't run by public opinion. And on this one, I would say the Progressive elites at the top of the system are, uh, and that's in the academic community, the judges, uh, some prosecutors, lawyers, all of that, are at odds with the public mood, which is a growing impatience with repeat offenders, violent attacks, unsafe downtowns, and the politicians, the frontline politicians, mayors, councillors, premiers are responding to the public mood, but they're heading down a different track than the judicial legal establishment in the country. And I don't know how this is going to come out. As I said, I mean, we can pick individual cases and it's an easy call, but the system, um, I hasn't sorted this out. And, you know, we're in the middle of a reform that was well-intentioned and progressive. And we're now talking of well, slamming the brakes on it and reversing direction. How far do we go in the reversing direction? I don't know. It's uh, it's a lot more complicated than the you know the black and white debate that's out there, the polarized debate that's out there on this issue. Certainly is, Vaughn. Thank you so much for that. Bye bye, Simi.